Uh, grab your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Exodus chapter number uh, 15. Exodus chapter number 15. Um, I was going to make a bad joke, so I might as well do it, okay? Uh, long time no see. Bad joke. I know I got it, so I had to get it out of there. No more bad jokes from this point forward, all right? I'm making no promises, but no more bad jokes from this point forward. Uh, but I, I am thankful for another opportunity, um, and uh, I know that probably it was they scrambled really hard to find somebody else, but uh, here's, here's where I am, all right? So Exodus chapter number 15, um, we'll, they'll put up on the screen, we'll look up here in our Bibles, uh, Exodus chapter number 15, we'll start in verse number uh, 22, verse number 22, so Exodus 15 in verse number 22. So if you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. Here we go. It says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. Verse 24. And the people, let's say it with me, one, two, three murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Let's read verse 24 one more time. And the people, what? Murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for today. Uh, Thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You so much, Lord God, for an opportunity. And Lord God, I know every single time, Lord God, it is not in any way, shape, or form about a man or a speaker, or a style, or a personality. Lord, it's about Your Word. And Lord, it's about Your Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts through Your Word. And so, Lord God, that's what I want to happen tonight. Lord, I know we're going to talk about a subject uh, tonight that, unfortunately, probably most of us have got caught up in sometimes. And Lord, I don't want to leave here, like we said on Sunday, I don't want to leave here the same way I came in. Lord, every time I have an opportunity to preach, Lord God, you preach to me more than you preach to the people. And so, Lord God, help us tonight. Let us see who you are, that you are high and lifted up, and that, Lord God, you want us to be more and more like your son, Jesus. We pray all these things in your wonderful name. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. All right. Now, I know you've already looked at the title. Hopefully, you've picked up your outline and everything. And so, you look at the title. We've already said it once, but let's say it again. And let's say it like we were, okay? You ready? Like, yeah, I'm going I'm to give you all definitions in just a minute. But let's say it like we actually are doing it. Ready? Ready? Murmuring. <laughs> now, the reason why I say murmuring uh, that way is because I looked up the definition. The definition of murmuring is uttering complaints in a low voice or sullen manner. Grumbling complaining. Okay, murmuring is, is, is that thing that, that you do uh, when you think nobody's around in the office or, or at the work site, and you're like, hey, let me just tell you what I think about that person and this situation, whatever, and we say it like this, so nobody hears what we're saying. Hey, shh, be quiet. He may be coming, all right? <laughs> or we just complain and gripe and moan and groan and all this kind of stuff, and you're like, well, Buchanan, so you're going to tell us all about this murmuring and, and how we don't need to do that and all that kind of stuff? Here's the deal. Every single one of us, including me, is guilty of that. Can I get an amen? We're guilty of that, okay? If left to my own, I have a tendency to complain. I have a tendency to grumble. I have a tendency to murmur, okay? So we're going to talk about murmuring tonight. 
Now, this is the first time we see murmur, the word murmur in the Bible is in Exodus 15. But after this point, we see it 21 more times referring to the people in the wilderness. So not only is this an issue for them right now, but it's an issue for them 21 more times while they're in the wilderness. So the nation of Israel struggled greatly in this area of murmuring. But let's, let's talk about murmuring, what murmuring is. Okay, number one, if you're taking notes, let's look at the operation of murmuring. How does murmuring operate? Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you say murmuring five times fast, you're not going to say it right, okay? So if I mess it up and, and I, I get all over myself, just be like, okay, it's okay, we know what he's saying. At some point at the end of the message, I may say that double M, okay? Let's just do double M. But the operation of murmuring, how does murmuring operate? Let's look in, in verse 24. It says, And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried, meaning Moses, unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There, there, there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them or tested them. Verse 26, And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. Talking about the plagues back in Egypt. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Okay, So they didn't have water. They start complaining and grumbling about it. God, God, God provides water, and actually kind of, as they move on, they basically go to like a resort, okay? Palm trees and wells and all this kind of stuff. And then go into chapter 16, okay? We're going to keep going, all right? And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of sin, and that's a place, not, not, a, not sin like we talk about sin, but a place, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel did what? Murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. So how does murmuring operate? If you're taking notes, number one, or A, it looks to blame. When it comes to murmuring, murmuring looks to blame. It looks to blame. Because they were, they were murmuring against Moses initially, the leader, okay? But who provided a way of escape out of Egypt? Who provided that? God did, okay? Who has now led them in the wilderness? Who is that? God has, okay? But yet, who are they blaming? Moses. They're blaming Moses because we don't want to blame God, but we've got to pick somebody, so let's pick on Moses. Now, what I love about Moses is Moses didn't start complaining and murmuring and griping, he went to the Lord with it, right? Okay, so that's a, that's a really good example right there, okay? When, when, when somebody maybe is murmuring against me, instead of me murmuring back at them or about them, maybe I need to take it to the Lord. Can I get an amen? All right? But, but here we go. So, so he goes to the Lord with it. And God basically says, look, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to bring any diseases on you. He brings them to a, to, a, to a resort area with palm trees and 12 wells and all this kind of stuff. But yet, here we go again, they're still murmuring. They're still murmuring. Now, what's interesting about this is the first time they were murmuring against Moses, but now they're murmuring against Moses and Aaron. You know what I figured out about people that murmur? 
The people that murmur to you about somebody else, guess what they're doing when you're not around? They're murmuring about you. <laughs> they're murmuring about you. So and I, be, I, want, I want to be careful here because some of y'all are in two different boats here. Some of y'all have been murmured against and some of y'all are murmurers. Uh-oh. Murmurers. Everybody's looking around going, I wonder who it is, all right? Please do not look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Don't do that. But what happens here is that, okay, that not only are they murmuring against Moses, but now they're murmuring against Aaron because here's the deal. If somebody's going to murmur, if they, they can't murmur against the other person, they're going to find somebody else to murmur about. And we'll talk about that towards the end. How do we shut that stuff down? Because sometimes people are coming to you and they're murmuring to you and you're just like, I don't know what to do. We'll talk about that. Okay, we will talk about that. When it comes to murmuring, it looks to blame. It looks to blame. Let's look in verse 3. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we, and when we did eat bread to the full. For, we, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Not only does murmuring look to blame, but B, it distorts the past. It distorts the past. Because here's, notice what they did here in, in, in verse number 3. They said, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. But look at what they're remembering about being in the land of Egypt. They're remembering the flesh pots and the bread they ate to the full. So they're thinking about, hey, we didn't have to worry about our meat. We didn't have to worry about bread because we were in Egypt. But here's the problem. What were they in Egypt? Slaves. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, Buchanan, it seems like we're talking about Sunday all over again. They were slaves. But guess what? They're not remembering that part about it. They're not remembering that part about it. They're not remembering that they had taskmasters that were just, that were, were, were every single day was do more, do more, do more, do more. They remember the fact that they got food at the end of the day. Now, I don't know about you, but so many times we think about, when we start to murmur about stuff, we think about the past and we think about the good old days. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? The good old days? You know what I figured out about the good old days? They weren't so good. <laughs> they weren't so good. Because you know what? In the good old days, we still had problems. We still had difficulties. We still had struggles. We still had pain. I'll use an example. I'll use an example. I've been married now 20 years to my wife. 20 years. 20 years to my wife. And, 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 and I've, heard, I've heard people before say, man, if we could just go back to when we were dating. Man, if we could just go back when we got engaged. Man, we just go back when we were newlyweds and honeymooning. We didn't have any kids. Man, if I could just go back and my kids were little and all that kind of stuff. Not me. Not me. When I got married to my wife, I was 19 and she was 18. Now, some of y'all may not appreciate this, but we were kids still. All right? 19 and 18. I do not recommend that for anyone to get married at 19 and 18. If you're there, hallelujah. It can work. All right? But here's what happened. We had a lot of growing up to do. And some of y'all had the privilege of growing up without a spouse. I didn't, okay? So Katie and I, when we first got married, it was like cats and dogs, fighting, 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 fighting all the time. I do not want to go back to newlywed status, okay? That was horrible years, all right? Because we had to grow up and learn how to be married all at the same time, 
my kids, my kids are teenagers right now. Can y'all pray for me real quick? <laughs> All right, I have teenagers right now. But I'm not planning to go back to, man, I just can't wait till they were little babies. You know why? I didn't like the diaper changes. I didn't like the constant feeding. I didn't like waking up at 3 a.m. and trying to say, okay, please just be quiet and go to sleep. But we think about the good old days, right? Think about the good old days. Everything we remember in the past, we remember all the things that were good, and we forget all the things that are bad. And so many times when we start to murmur about things, we murmur about things and say, well, you know, I'm complaining, I'm griping, I'm grumbling about all this stuff that's going on. Well, it didn't used to be this way. Yes, it was. It was probably worse, <laughs> right? But it distorts the past. It distorts the past. And with, with these people right here, they're not thinking about the fact that they've been freed from bondage. They're thinking about the fact that they had meat and bread at the table when they, got, when they left. So it distorts the past. We get in a place to where when we start to murmuring, it distorts the past. We start to think about things better than they were. So here's what happens is we start to get in this place where we, it's sometimes easier to look back on a perceived past as always better than our current reality. We look back on a perceived past because that's not reality anymore. But looking at my current reality that is really, really tough and difficult right now, it looks like the past looks so much better. When in reality, guess what? When you were back here in the past, it still was hard. <laughs> it still was difficult. Okay? So this whole thing, I'm, I'm murmuring complaining because, man, things seem to change. Things seem to be different. Things seem to be, you know, I wish I could go back to the good old days. No, you don't. Don't want to go back to the good old days. Because the murmuring stuff, it just distorts the past. You remember things better than what they actually were. Now looking back in verse 3, because there was a little bit more in verse 3, it says, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Which is crazy to me. They would rather die in Egypt as slaves than to be out in the wilderness free. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth in this killed, in, into this wilderness to, what's that next word? Kill this whole assembly with what? Hunger. All right, if you're taking notes, another thing murmuring does, it exaggerates the present. It exaggerates the present. It exaggerates the present. According to them, they were going to die of hunger. They were going to die of hunger. Now here's the problem. Here's the problem, okay? Exodus 12. Let's look back at Exodus 12. Exodus 12, 31. Because here's where they're going to go. They're going out of the land of Egypt, going towards the Red Sea. Verse 31, And he called for Moses and Aaron by night, and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people. Both ye and the children of Israel go and serve the Lord as ye have said. Verse 32, Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone and bless me also. Now, some of you are like, Buchanan, what's that, what's that all about? So when they're going out of Egypt, not only are they taking themselves and, 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 and supplies and, and jewelry and all that kind of stuff from the Egyptians, those kind of things, they're going out with that, but they also have their flocks and their herds with them. Now you think, well, okay, what does that have to do with anything? Exodus 17, now we are in Exodus 15 and 16. Exodus 17, it says, And the people thirsted there for water, and the people what? 
No, 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 you're saying it like, like you're saying it like you mean it. Okay? And the people what? Murmured. Okay, by the way, we're in another chapter and they're still murmuring against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that has brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our what? Cattle with thirst. Now you're like, Buchanan, what is the point of this? They weren't starving to death. They weren't going to starve to death. Let me explain this a little bit, okay? Now, now we're, after this, he does quail, quail from heaven, manna from heaven, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, God provides. But here's the deal. They were not starving to death. They were not going to die of starvation. You know why? Because they have flocks and herds. Now, I'm not trying to be crude about this, but if I get hungry enough, that lamb, he's gone. I don't know about you, but I'm okay with a good steak. I'm okay with some hamburger, okay? I'm not trying to be crude, all right? Some of you are like, don't talk about the animals. All right, I understand. If you're not a meat eater, fine. Just don't hate me because I do, all right? But they weren't going to starve. They had meat. They had food. But to them, it was, we're going to die in the wilderness. They're exaggerating the point. They're exaggerating the point. Because here's what happens. Watch this. Miss a meal. Or your kids miss a meal. And what do they tell you? They're what? Starving. I'm starving. When in reality, probably none of us in this room has ever experienced true starvation. Especially if you want to, you may be American starved, but you're not globally starved, all right? There's people all over this world that know what real hunger and starvation is. But in that moment when I miss that meal, I'm, I'm what? Starving. Because we like to exaggerate. We like to exaggerate the present, right? Whenever there's a problem or an issue going on and you feel the need to complain about it or grumble about it or murmur about it, let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest. We take a little bitty problem. What are y'all looking at? Okay, I was just making sure. Which some of y'all are looking behind me like, oh my gosh, did I exaggerate too much? Here we go. All right. So I'm getting used to this whole thing. Y'all watching the screens, not me. I get it. I get it. I get it. All right. All right. I can follow. I can do this. All right. Here we go. But we have this little bitty problem, this little tiny minute problem that's probably going to go away tomorrow. Probably nobody's going to even think about it or worry about it or anything. But my goodness, that little problem looks really, really what? big and so because I didn't get a lunch break today because somebody didn't say hi to me in the hallway right because somebody you know they got to leave 30 minutes early and I didn't now there's a problem and I need to tell you about it right let me help you with this maybe you'll get 30 minutes next time but we exaggerate the present right we exaggerate the price. Uh, no, you, you, uh, some of y'all, I can already see in your faces. I, I, I don't know if it's because you're like, I'm not, I, I got to keep this face, Buchanan, because I don't want you to think I'm one of them, okay? <laughs> but we are guilty of this kind of stuff. D- 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 okay, here we go. Ready? I, I'm going to make it easy for y'all, right? Because I won't even look. I promise. I won't even look, okay? If you have ever been guilty of murmuring, complaining, or grumbling. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to see, okay, everybody who's ever been guilty of that, go ahead and raise your hand. I'm all by myself, I know. Nobody in this room is raising their hand. 
Because am I all by myself? Please tell me no. Okay. We're all guilty of this, right? We're all guilty of this. And, but here's, that's what happens in murmuring. It looks for somebody to blame. It distorts the past. It exaggerates the present. Now I think every single one of us can agree. Yeah, Buchanan, you're right. You're right. When I'm murmuring, I'll be honest with you, I'm looking for somebody to blame. I'm looking how to distort the past. I'm looking how, I'm, I shouldn't say I'm looking to exaggerate the present. I just do exaggerate the present. You got me, Buchanan. You got me. All right, I'll stop it. I get it. I'll no more murmuring. Okay, Buchanan, let's stop talking about it. But here's what's interesting about this. Because what happens in, in, in some of the things that we do, we don't realize how really heavy they are. Because we're about to look at something, and, and, and the reason why I'm pausing right here, I really don't want you to miss this. I, even if you kind of closed your mind and closed your ears and closed your heart and all that kind of stuff, you know what? I'm a murmurer and I'm proud of it, you know? Don't tell me what I can't do, Buchanan, blah, blah, blah. You got to hear this part. This is, this is probably one of the most important points of the whole entire message, and I hate to even say it that way because then it makes it out that the point is more important than the word. It's not. But I'm telling you, this is seen in the Word, and we cannot miss it. We cannot miss it, all right? So if, you're, if you haven't perked up at all, if you haven't followed along at all, you need to like, like nudge your neighbor, tell them, I know it's rainy outside, and you probably had a long day at work. Wake up, okay? This is important. This is super, super important. Now let's read in verse 4. Read in verse 4, and then we'll get to the, to the, to the next point in just a minute. Verse 4. It says, Then said Moses, Behold, I will rain... Excuse me, excuse me. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day... They shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, at even, or at night, at evening, okay, then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. Now let's look at verse 7 and 8. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord. For that, for that he heareth your murmuring against the who? The Lord. And what are we that you murmur against us? This is Moses talking to people, saying, you're murmuring against us, but in reality, who you're murmuring against is who? The Lord. Verse 8, And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full. For that the Lord heareth your what? Murmurings. When you murmur against Him, meaning God, and what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against who? The Lord. If you're taking notes, this is really important. The, uh, the, the, when, we talk about, when we talk about the operation, how murmuring operates, D, it is really directed towards God. It is really directed towards God. And I'm going to explain this. I'm going to explain this. Here's why I want you all to perk up a little bit. Because some of you all, and I'll, I'll be, I won't, I'm not getting too far ahead, but some of you are like, yeah, Buchanan, I murmur, but it's really not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal if you are a murmur. It is a huge deal if you murmur. 
Because their murmuring was misguided. Moses is helping them to see it was not, it was not, it was to the Lord, not Moses. They were murmuring against God, not Moses. Because here's what I want to help you all understand. When we murmur, we are either saying we really don't trust, trust that God is big enough to help or good enough to care. I'm going to say it one more time. When we murmur, we are either saying we really don't trust that God is big enough to help or good enough to care. Why do you say that, Buchanan? Here's why I say that. Does murmuring solve any problems? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't solve any problems whatsoever. And some of you say, well, it just makes me, like, I just got to get it out, Buchanan. It makes me feel good. Yeah, for a period of time, a short period of time maybe. But to actually solve a problem, complaining about it, grumbling about it, murmuring about it, solves nothing. Zero. So in this situation, let me me help you with this. Because here's what happens. Unfortunately, we'd rather stay in our frustrations than solve a problem. Moses and Aaron had no control over the water or the food. Moses and Aaron could do nothing to help with the water or the food. If you want to look at it this way, Moses is in the same boat as the rest of the nation of Israel. They're in the wilderness with no water and no food. They have no control over it. Who can provide food and water? God's the only one who can provide it. God's the only one who can change it. God's the only one in control of it. So when we murmur, we're not murmuring so much against a situation or against a person or an individual or a group of people. Who are we murmuring against? God. Did it just get tight in here? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, what, I set y'all up. I gave y'all a real encouraging message on Sunday, and then I reeled you in on Wednesday. But, but think about this. When we're grumbling, when we're complaining, when we're murmuring, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. And guess what I figured out? When, when, when we murmur and grumble and complain and nothing changes, guess what we do more of? Murmuring. So when we murmur and nothing changes, we just murmur more. And, and the reason why I want you to, like, this really got me. This really got me because I'm like, I, I don't want to, why would I complain about God? Why would I murmur about God? Why would I grumble about God? But in reality, when I murmur about other situations, other people, all that kind of stuff, and I don't take them to God, guess what? I'm not, I'm not really complaining about all these people and to these people. I'm just complaining and griping to God. I'm murmuring against Him because here's the deal. If I didn't murmur about these people and actually did like Moses did, went to the Lord with it, guess what? If I grumble, if I murmur, if I complain, guess what? God can do something. Uh, some of y'all missed that. Do you know even in their murmuring, God provided? Like how many of y'all thankful that God like blesses you in spite of you? Hello? <laughs> right? God blesses you in spite of you, right? But, but here's, the, here's the deal. Like when it came to the murmuring, they were murmuring against Moses and against Aaron and they had nothing they could do to change it. The people we murmur about, the situations we murmur about, 
We're just getting frustrations out and nothing is being solved. Zero, nothing. We just want to gripe and complain because that's what we do because we're murmurers. All right? But in reality, we need to understand that when it comes to our murmuring, if we continue to murmur, that is really we're murmuring against God because he's the only one that can change it. He's the only one that can control it. He's the only one that can, can take a situation and go, okay, I know the situation is bad, and I know, I, I know you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. Complaining, grumbling, mum, murmuring about it, not going to fix it. So why don't we do this? Buchanan, why don't you bring this to me and like, let, me see me, let, let you see me work in this situation and do something and maybe fix a situation, fix a relationship, fix a circumstance, instead of you just complaining about it all the time. Because again, and I'm going to read this statement, when we murmur, we are either saying we really don't trust that God is big enough to help or good enough to care. Because if we thought that way, we wouldn't go to other people about it. We would go to God. All right, let's keep on going. I think you're starting to like me again. Here we go. <laughs> Number two. Number two. Number two. And by the way, I don't have a clock, so I guess I'll get done early or I'll get done late. We'll see what happens. Number two, I love the groaning when I said get done late. That was bad, guys, all right? When I say get done late, I may say like a minute or two. I'm not going to go crazy. I have a watch. They just put my time up. There you go, all right? They wanted me to make sure I got it. All right, by the way, I'm, I'm, if it makes you feel better, the way I think it's going, I'm ahead, all right? So there you go. Good job, which they did tell me to go an hour, so I guess at the end we'll just do some fellowship, Okay. You know, socially distanced fellowship with mask on, all that kind of stuff. All right. Never mind. That was a joke. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Now, we, we see what murmuring is. Okay? We, we see, we see, the, we see the opera, how murmuring operates. Okay? It looks for somebody to blame. It, disorts, it distorts the past. It exaggerates the presence. But here's the big deal. It is, in reality, it is directed towards God. And I don't want to do that. How many of y'all want to stop murmuring? Can I get an Amen. Okay, and some of you are like, Buchanan, I'd like to, but I don't know if I'll stop. Okay, we're going to work on that. Here we go. Number two, number two. It's about to get real serious, so I'm trying to lighten you up a little bit. All right. Number two, overcoming murmuring. Overcoming murmuring. Now, here's what's hard. We really don't want to admit this. But unfortunately, there are sins that we tolerate and sins that we don't. There are sins that we tolerate and sins that we don't. Now, I don't know about you, but if I read the Bible correctly, God is very serious about all sin. Can I get an amen? But there are sins that we tolerate and there are sins that we don't. We don't tolerate the big sins, right? We're not going to tolerate murder. We're not going to tolerate adultery. We're not going to tolerate stealing. Like basically anything that's like found in the Ten Commandments, that's bad. That's bad sins. We, we don't need to tolerate that. Oh, let's take a stand against those bad sins. But what about those other sins in our life? Those sins like anger. Those sins like pride. Those sins like gossip. You're like, okay, you can't get a little too close to home now. 
Don't be doing this, all right? And sins like, what's the title of the message? Murmuring. Murmuring's a sin. Now, why do we tolerate it? Why do we tolerate it? Because let's be honest, because most of us in the room, we are what? Guilty of it. (laughs) We're guilty of it. We're guilty of it, right? Let's just be honest. Ken and I don't don't do all those big sins. (laughs) Like, I don't don't lie, cheat, do anything like that. I don't even hang out with people who do that kind of stuff. Why you got to start talking to me about my anger, Buchanan? Why you got to start talking about my pride? Why you got to start, to start talking about that gossip? I mean, that's the only thing I get to do on my lunch break. <laughs> gossip about a bunch of people. What are we going to talk about? Don't talk about my murmuring. Because I like to complain and grumble and mumble and do all kind of bumble bumbles, okay? Right? But unfortunately, there's sins that we tolerate and sins that we don't. And the only reason why we're really tolerating is because, honestly, we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. So, I don't know about you, but I want to do better in this area. I really want to do better in this area. I don't want to be considered a murmurer. I don't want to be considered a complainer. This whole thing, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. No, it doesn't. (laughs) We just are irritated by you. You're annoying, like you're squeaking all the time. Quit it, all right? Don't be that squeaky wheel. So how are we going to overcome it? Some of y'all are like, oh, Buchanan. <laughs> I get extra time. That's why, you know, whatever. Hey, learn from others' mistakes. Learn from others' mistakes. If we're going to overcome murmuring, we need to learn from others' mistakes. 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. You should have this in your notes. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant, okay, or of no knowledge, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed to the sea. Now, this is talking about the nation of Israel in the book of Exodus. We're all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat, did all eat the same spiritual drink, for they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So there's a comparison to, to what's going on in Exodus and then our relationship with Christ. Verse 5, but with, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our what? Examples. To the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. The word lust just means, means, means desire. Okay? Really in an unhealthy way, an unhealthy desire that, that we do not want to, that we didn't, our intent is that you wouldn't lust after those evil things like they also lusted. Verse 7, so he starts to talk about some of the things that they did in the wilderness. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And if you want to do some research later, that word play does not mean play. Verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication, sexual sin, as some of them committed and fell in one, three, and twenty thousand. Verse 9, neither let us tempt Christ, 
as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Verse 10, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all of these things happened unto them for examples, or, or examples, and they are written for our admonition, our learning, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now here's what's interesting about that section of Scripture. I don't know if y'all all looked at this because this whole sins we tolerate, sins we don't tolerate, all that kind of stuff. Let me just help you, remind you what is lumped in with murmuring. Idolatry, fornication, and tempting Christ. Do y'all think that's a big deal? That's a really big deal. And guess what's right beside it? Murmuring. Murmuring. Well, I would never have an idol, but you murmur. Well, I would never commit fornication, but you murmur. I would never tempt Christ, but yet you murmur. Like the, the, these things that they're saying, like, look, you need to look at, at all the things that they did in the wilderness and of all the things that are listed here, all the, the, the bad things they committed and did in the wilderness, murmuring is right there in the list. So what am I saying about that? Like when it, comes to, when it comes to the Bible, like one thing I love about the Bible is that not only is it like, okay, this is what you need to do, do this, 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 and this, but He gives you examples of real life people and what they struggled with and how they overcame it or didn't overcome it, right? Like we need to learn from people like Adam. We need to learn from people like Moses. We need to learn from people like David and Peter and Paul. Have you ever noticed that every single character in the Bible had a flaw? Except for one. What was his name? Jesus. Do you think that's on accident? (laughs) And the reason I say on accident, not that it was put there, it's because every single one of us have flaws. Every single one of us. And here's here's what we need to do. We need to look at this and go, wait, they made some really bad decisions with that murmuring We don't need to do that. We need to learn from their mistakes. Because the Bible doesn't just tell us, it shows us. The Bible doesn't just tell us, it shows us. Like even when you talk about the Old Testament, and this is probably a crude illustration of the New Testament, or the Old Testament, but basically the Old Testament is is like a picture book for the New Testament. So all the principles and things that you see in the New Testament are played out with people's lives in the Old Testament. So the Bible doesn't just tell us, it shows us. Now, learn from others' mistakes. Now, how many of y'all have or have had teenagers? Raise your hand. Okay. Let's all, we're going to have a special prayer meeting for all of us up here at the front, okay? We'll socially distance it. Here's the deal. We, we have so much problems, we may not social distance. We may just come all together, all right? Because raising teenagers is hard. Can I get an amen? amen. It is hard. And I'm right in the midst of it. <laughs> I know this whole like 12, 12 years old is preteen. No, it's full-blown teenager at 12 years old. And I have a 15-year-old too. Y'all better pray for me, I'm telling you. <laughs> I love them. They irritate me, but I love them, right? But, but especially with teenagers, especially with teenagers. How many of y'all know, what, know, know what, what I'm talking about when I say sometimes you got to have like, like the little dad talks and mom talks. You know what I'm talking about? Okay? And I'm not just talking about the big talk. I'm talking about the little talks you have to go along. Okay? Everybody, everybody with me okay? 
Any, any people that were teenagers, like, you know what I'm talking about? Mom, dad talk, got it. All right. But there is constantly, when, when, when I'm talking to my kids about what it means to be a good student, what it means from the standpoint of what relationships look like, what it means to be, uh, like, how, does it, how to operate in a family, what it means, my kid got a job this summer. Hallelujah, he got a job. Like, I'm trying to convince him like, like you're, you're, that this is going to continue for the rest of your life so they don't have to pay for you anymore, okay? All right. They got a job, but I've got to teach them how to manage money, right? Okay? And here's what I've done, and I, I'm, I'm, telling, I'm telling my kids a little bit, so it's our little secret. How many, does anybody know how many people are in here? Nobody knows. Okay, great. Like, nobody's counting. All right. I thought we did that. Um, so, but there's probably a couple hundred of y'all in here, all right? Jason, what are, you, what are you guessing? What do you think? Okay, all right, never mind. He's like, don't talk to me again, Buchanan. All right, this is your deal. You got the mic. But we're going to keep a secret with a couple hundred people. Does that sound good? I'm, I'm in trouble. Oh, well. I'm going to tell it anyways. But I'm telling you, there's so many times with both of my kids, I'm like, look, this is what mom and dad did, and this is what we did wrong, and so you don't need us to make the same mistake we did. For those that are parents of teenagers, how does that go for you? Because here's what they say. I know. I know. I had a grandmother, okay? I had a, had a grandmother. I mean, I've, I've had a grandmother, okay? I had a grandmother, and, and my grandmother loved me, and I had a really special relationship with my grandmother. But when I was a teenager, my favorite phrase was, I know. Say it with me. I know. And my grandmother, I, every time she'd tell me something, I know. I know. Can I get a witness? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know. I know. I know. One day my grandmother snapped. She said, I know, I know, I know. You say, I know one more time. And I'm like, grandmother. But you know what I was doing? Just acting like a teenager, right? And, and, and let's be honest, and I'm, I'm one of these parents, and, I, I, and for whatever reason, I, I keep on saying I keep on saying I feel like I'm hitting my head against the wall every single time when I keep on saying it, but I'm believing, like, help me out, David, Mandy, like, eventually they, like, they, they start to listen, Gavin, yeah, probably not, okay, great, all right, thanks for the encouragement, right. but eventually they're going to get it, I hope, like, I don't know. And, and, and I don't know what it is about this generation, but almost there's a resistance to that right now. In this generation, I'm not trying to be ugly about this, but there's almost like, they, they're like, I, I know you did that, and I know you're trying to teach me, but I really, 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 really want to go out there and make my own mistakes. And I'm like, what are you saying? Don't do that. But in reality, let's be honest, let's be honest. We do the same exact things our teenagers do. Can I get an O me? we got to learn from somebody else's mistakes. You know what I mean? Like, I want, I, want, I want somebody else. I want somebody else. Like, if I can look at my Bible and say, okay, they did this, 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 and this, and boy, they found victory. I guess I'm going to do that. Instead of saying, I don't know. I guess I'll just go out there and figure it out. <laughs> and I'm not trying to act like a doofus or anything like that, but sometimes I feel like you're a doofus. Is that inappropriate? I don't know if the word doofus is inappropriate, is appropriate anymore. I don't know. But we got to learn from other people's mistakes. We've got to look at our Bible and say, you know what? If there's something that I need to do differently in my life, I need to look at God's Word, learn from it, and actually apply it to my life. Can I get an amen? We need to learn from others' mistakes. B, B, we need to remove it from our lives. We need to remove it from our lives. 
Now you're like, Buchanan, that seems like an obvious point. I'll explain. Philippians 2. Philippians 2, that's in your notes. Philippians 2, verse 12. It starts with the word wherefore. Whenever you see the word wherefore, therefore, y'all know this, okay? You got to look back to see why it's there, okay? But essentially what happens in the beginning of, of, of Philippians 2, it's basically laying out, here's what Christ did. Here's what Christ did for you. Here's what Christ has done. So in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have, not all, if ye have, as ye have always obeyed, not all as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, this is Paul talking to the church of Philippi, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So God has a purpose and a desire for your life. He wants to do good, he wants to do his will and good pleasure with your life. And so here's what he says in verse 14. Do all things without what? Murmuring and what? Disputing. Now I don't know about you, but verse 14 seems to be a little direct. It seems to be a little direct, don't you agree? Let me me interpret verse 14 for you real quick, okay? Uh, Do all things without murmuring and disputing. There's no interpretation to give. It says, do all things without murmuring and disputing. I can't add to, change. I can't make it, like, let me explain this a little bit more. It's direct, to the point. By the way, I'm I'm kind of a direct kind of guy. How many of y'all are direct people? Okay, I'm, I'm working on that, by the way. Because not everybody likes us, okay? Nobody likes people being direct. But here's what I'm telling you right now. When, with God, I don't want Him to sugarcoat it. I don't want God to dance around it. I want God to give it to me plainly. Can I get an amen? Give it to me plainly, God. And God is very direct in His Word. In, in the book of Philippians right here, He's saying, do all things without murmuring and disputing. Notice this in verse 15. That... So, so what do we want to see out of us? That we may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Would everybody agree we're in a crooked and perverse nation? Among whom, look at this, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So here's what's happening. You know what your murmuring is doing? It's hurting your witness. It's hurting your witness. When you murmur, complain, and grumble, guess who looks bad? Christ looks bad because we're supposed to shine His lights. And if we're always murmuring and grumbling and complaining all the time, we're not shining our lights in the world. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and I be offered up upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. I joy and rejoice with you all. This is Paul saying this, but look at this. For the same cause, verse 18, for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Grumbling, complaining, murmuring is not bringing you joy. It's not bringing you joy. Let me help you with this. It's not bringing joy to the people around you either. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but if you, if you could kind of... Uh, there's so many attributes uh, of God and there's so many fruits of the Spirit. But I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but I really like me some joy. Can I get an amen? I really like me some joy. But guess what? Guess what will steal our joy? Murmuring, grumbling, complaining. It'll steal our joy. And I don't know about you, but I want joy. 
Now, just so we're clear, okay? Now, there are parts of God's words that remain a mystery. Great example, the Trinity. Explain that to me, Buchanan. I can't. He is three and one and one and three. How does that happen? I don't know. Oh, he's like an egg, like he's like liquid gas. No, he is not like that. God is more than an egg. Can I get an amen? Okay, he's not an egg. Right, Hunter? Thank you. I got, I got, I got a little smirk out of Hunter over there. Yeah? It's like, God's not an egg. Okay? I can't explain the Trinity. It's a mystery to me. And everybody's like, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him about that Trinity thing. No, you won't. You'll just worship him, okay? Now I'm going to be like, hey, I got a couple questions before I start worshiping. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but parts of God's words remain a mystery. But most of God's word is abundantly clear. Can I get an amen? It's abundantly clear. The letter to the church of Philippi was to encourage them. But also, if you know anything about the letter to Philippi, it was also to deal with people that, that were causing problems in the body. There are, two, there are two people, if you want to look at it later, um, uh, well, it's in Philippians 3. There's a problem, there's a disputing going on between two ladies, okay? And, and, and Paul's like, like y'all got to get on the same page here, okay? And so there's a dispute going on, and so there's a dispute going on, and so here's what's happening. There is no place for murmuring in the church. Can I please get an amen? There's no place for murmuring in the church. No place for it. No place for it. Now, I'm not the pastor, so I can say this. Ready? Okay? Especially what's going on in a church. You may not like what's going on in the church. That may happen. There may be, and I'm not talking about moral failures and all that kind of stuff. I'm saying maybe a decision was this, maybe something did that, and all that kind of stuff. And then so here's what we do. We, 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 eat, we, uh, we eat preacher for, for lunch. Somebody told me the other day. You eat preacher for lunch. Either, either you're, you're, you're either you're praising him or you're tearing him down, right? But everybody has preacher for lunch, okay? But, but what it is is that it, when it comes to the church, there should never be any murmuring. There should never be any grumbling. There should never be any complaining in the church because according to this, do all things without what? Murmuring and disputing. And Paul directly directly goes to a church body and says, stop it, quit it, knock it off, right? And I'm not saying there's a problem, okay? I haven't been here for three and a half years. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm learning, okay? I don't even have a desk in my office, okay? Let me make y'all feel better. I have no clue what's going on, but I, know, I will say this. I've been in church life long enough to know it happens. It may, it may happen at the workplace. It may happen at home, but unfortunately it happens in the church too. And there's no place for it. There's no place for it. No place for it in the church. No place for it in your home. No place in your work, in your, in your work environment. Okay? There's no place for it. There's just no place for it. So here's the deal. Final thing won't be done. Buchanan, I want to stop murmuring, but people keep coming to me and murmuring. Buchanan, I really want to do better. I really want to try harder. Like I want to be, like I want to, I want to, I want to stop doing this. Like you're saying that we're supposed to be doing according to God's word. We're not supposed to murmur, but everybody keeps murmuring to me. How do I stop them? How do I stop them? Here we go. You ready? You ready? This is the last thing and I'll be done. Some of you are excited about that. Yay. 
Here's how you stop that. Here's how you stop that. When they start murmuring to you, here's what you say. Have you talked to God about that? Have you talked to God about that? What you're complaining about, what you're grumbling about, what you're murmuring about, have you talked to God about that? And here's what's going to happen. Two things are going to happen. One is, they're not going to like your question. (laughs) And if they don't like your question, guess what? They're not going to murmur to you anymore. They're done. Like, they like somebody like, hey, will you murmur about this? I'll murmur about that. We'll go back and forth. This will be fun. They'll stop doing it. They will stop. If they don't like your question, they will stop coming to you. They will stop murmuring to you. Or the other thing is, you know what? You're right. You're right. All I'm doing right now, I'm just complaining and griping and moaning and groaning. And in reality, that's not going to change anything. That's not making me better. It's not making the person I'm talking to about this any better. So you know what? You're right. I need to go take this problem and issue to God. Either way, either way, you and that person are better off. Either way, you and that person are better off. One, if they don't like the question, you don't got to deal with them anymore. They can go find somebody else to murmur to. All right? But if they do heed your question, that's now an opportunity for you to really help someone. For you to really help someone. Because honestly, they're just murmuring, they're griping, they're complaining. Maybe they're just negative people, okay? I get it. Some people are just negative. But my thing is that either you can just avoid them like the plague or try to help them. Help them see like, hey, go take this to God. Go take this to God. Because if you take this to God, guess what? This complaining, this mumbling, this grumbling, all that kind of stuff, it's not going to change anything. But if you take it to God, something might what? Change. Something might change.